Last week, we looked at the different offices uh, in a church. You have elders and deacons, and we looked at the differences between those. Um, but that's kind of stuck in the middle of, uh, of chapter 1 and 2. You remember his, his purpose, and we saw the purpose of his letter was that so that we would know how the household of God should behave. Um, and, then, and then the reason he's writing this, it, because of that, because this church was not behaving well, there were some false teachers in there. You remember that's why he sent Timothy to this church in Ephesus, because there's people teaching that shouldn't be teaching. Uh, and so he, he kind of breaks up from that uh, to get into chapter 3 and says, this is who should be teaching and who should be leading our churches. Um, and then he goes back um, to this idea of false teachers. And so that's what we're going to look at. Um, this morning, but what I want you to see is that um, Paul knew, knew that this was going to happen. Uh, he, he wasn't shocked sending Timothy there. Um, he, he knew that, that uh, when he left, see, he, he helped start this church, and he spent three years there. And when he left, he knew, like, man, when I leave, there's going to be some people come in and going to um, uh, devour the church. So um, you can hang out in First Timothy 4. But I want to show you where Paul, um, he, he, it's like his prediction, a prophecy in a sense, back in Acts chapter 20. So this is going to be on the screen. And I'll start in verse 28. He says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure... Fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Notice the purpose of why they would come in. It was to draw people away after themselves. Verse 31, therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And so here Paul is saying, hey, don't be shocked. This is going to happen. Don't panic. Um, and I don't know if Paul already knew. Maybe he already like just assumed there were some guys there. And he said, man, I know when I leave, they're going to try to take over and devour the church. Um, so that's kind of the backdrop to chapter 4. So now we go to chapter 4. And this morning, I'm just going to do five verses. It's really... I, I wish I could do all of chapter 4, 1 through 16, because um, that's really where it fits in, but that's just a lot for one morning. Um, I'm afraid we won't get anything if I just do a lot. So that will be next week. And so this morning, a little shorter passage. Um, we just have five verses. So let me read those, and then we'll walk through this passage. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in uh, later times, some will depart from the faith, by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. Let me pray for us. Father, this morning as we read your word and trusting that this is the seed 
um, that the parable talks about, um, where the seed is just being sown. And this morning, the seed is falling upon soil. And Lord, I pray that uh, it would fall on good soil that would hear the word of God and, and it would take root and bear much fruit. So Lord, I pray, pray for me this morning that you'd help me just to uh, speak truth, that as I teach about false teachers, that I wouldn't fall in that, in, in that category, Lord, that I would be a, uh, uh, a faithful servant of your word. I pray for the hearers of this word, that, that it would fall on uh, good ears, that You'd give them ears to hear from you this morning and eyes to see uh, how you're working in their lives. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. I pray that you would change us today to be more like your son. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, if if you like titles and want to um, take notes, then I would just title this, How to Identify a False Teacher. Uh, That's what Paul is doing for us this morning is trying to show us who is a false teacher. How can you identify that? Because see, I I mentioned this last week. I'm not always going to be here. I don't know how long I'll be here. If it's 20 years from now, uh, 30 years from now when I leave and and, and, um, the the children over there are leaders. Some of you in your 20s, now maybe you're elders and deacons in this church. I'm going to be gone. So at some point, you're going to have to... Uh, uh, look for new elders, new deacons, and you want to make sure that you don't have false teachers coming in. You want to be able to identify a false teacher if they do get in. And so this is an important message. It's, it's one that maybe, hopefully you won't need for a while, uh, that uh, the elders or whoever's teaching, uh, we're not teaching uh, false doctrine. Uh, so hopefully you can just store this sermon uh, in your mind, take notes, and just know that like, one day I need to go back to this, but hopefully it's not for a long time. But I, here's something that I was just reminded this week at, at Camp Callan teaching high school students. I never, I never want you just to trust my word. I never. I don't want you to just trust what I say from up here. I want everything that I say be backed up by this. I want you to be able to, uh, uh, to turn to this and go, yeah, that's, that's what God's word says. It's not my words. I want it to be God's words. Uh, that's why I think it's important that we preach through books of the Bible here at MCF, uh, because it's a lot harder for me to, to twist a book of the Bible than just taking out a verse and talking about something, I don't know. And, and, and so um, it's, it's important that, that we're, we understand what a false teacher would look like. And so here, I think Paul gives us four ways that we can know how uh, or identify a false teacher. So the first way we can identify a false teacher is that they lead people away from the faith. So in verse 1, you're going to see this, verse 1a. So now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. I really want you to just um, uh, look at that, that part, some will depart from the faith. That there are those who are going to come in and, and, and they're going to... Um, uh, at least for a period of time, look like they're part of the faith, but then they walk away. And that's what a false uh, teacher wants to do. They want to draw people away from the faith and draw them to themselves. So uh, for me, one of my roles as a shepherd is I want to point you to the shepherd, the chief shepherd. I want, you to, po- I want to point you to Christ. I want you to follow him. Uh, but a false teacher wants you to follow them, not him. They want you to follow uh, their plans, their purposes, that you are a means to their end. And so 
a false prophet has ideas or a false teacher has their own plans and 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 you are part of their plans uh that that you're that you're simply how god god's basically from their perspective god has given you guys to them uh so that you guys can further their purposes or their programs or their whatever uh, and this is part of the problem with the health, wealth, prosperity movement is, is all those people and all everybody watching on TV furthers their agenda. Uh, and there's so much of that garbage going on. Um, I'll, I'll spare you this, but I, I thought really hard about uh, playing a song. It's a rap song, so I thought, ah, it's probably like three of us that like rap. I'm one of the three. Um, but if you like rap music, there's some really good... Um, Rap music out right now, um, uh, doctrinally sound Christian rap. There's a guy named Shylin, and he has a song called "False Teachers," and it, it, and it is really good. And it, and he just calls out false prophets, false teachers of the day. And um, so, uh, Shylin, S H A I L I N N E, Shylin, false teachers, and. Uh, um, we have to identify these people because they're, they're those wolves that Paul was talking about in Acts chapter 20. And they want to devour people. And I'll name one today and, and you're going to watch a little clip, a couple clips of, uh, of a false teacher of, of our generation, Kenneth Copeland. And some of you may love Kenneth Copeland, but I just, I warn you as a, as a pastor of this congregation, be very, very careful. And I would encourage you, don't watch him, but if you love him and think that, Oh, he's a good man. I just raise the flag and just be careful when you watch him. And I would encourage you not to watch him. Here's a clip. Um, this several years ago from Kenneth and Copeland. Graciously gave us. And I forget the We're other guy's home. name. Jesse. Something. As I was going home, the Lord real quickly he said, Jesse, do you like your plane? Now, you know, I thought that's an odd statement. He gave. I said, Well, certainly, Lord. He said, Do you really like it? And I thought, Well, yes, Lord. He said. Then he said this. So that's it. I didn't know how to handle that for me. I went, what? He said, you're going to let your faith stagnate? Now, when he said that, that shocked me. I went, whoa, wait. I literally unbuckled my seatbelt, my plane. I stood up. My pilots looked around and said, do you need something? I said, no, no, I'm talking to God right now. And he went back to flying. You couldn't have done that on an airliner. No, sir. No way. Stand up and say, what'd you say, Lord? No. Okay, no, yeah. And the guy sitting over there saying, what the hell does he think he's doing? <laughs> you can't do you that. You can't do that. No, no. The world is in such a shape. We can't get there without this. That's right. We've got to have this. We would have the mess that the airlines are in today. I would have to stop. I'm being very conservative. At least 75 to 80, more like 90% of what we're doing because you can't get there from here. So what, what, what their, their conversation is, um, this Jesse guy, the Lord's, you know, and, and just the whole idea, the Lord spoke to me and said, you know, uh, this idea of his faith being stagnant. Why was it stagnant? Because he only had one jet. That he needed another jet and he wasn't praying bigger prayers because he needed another jet so that he could trust the Lord's faithfulness. And, and then you heard Kenneth Copeland. He's the one on, on your left. Uh, and, he's, and he's talking about union. the airlines are in such a mess. Oh, poor guys that they would have to maybe take a, uh, you know, you have like a, a layover in Dallas or somewhere. Uh, and, and you might actually have to talk to somebody during that layover. Or, or you might have like a connection flight. Uh, that's, that's, it's a shame. Um, you know, I, 
I was thinking about this this week, man. Uh, if you guys want to give for me to have a jet, that way I can go to Cowan a little more often. Like, I had to come back from Cowan three times this week. If I had a jet, that'd be a lot nicer. And it just, it just blows my mind that, like, it, but, but the people that he's preaching to, they were a means for his, for his jet, second jet, because the first jet was a, was, caused him to be stagnant in his faith. So he needed the second jet so he could show that God was actually working and being a big God and faithful because he would give him, honor him for what he's doing, all the preaching and serving he's doing. The, these are men that are on our TV, especially TBN, uh, that, that I would say millions watch and give money to. And it's ridiculous. These are false teachers. Um, a lot of times you see cults this way. Uh, cults will have a dominant leader and will get people away. And they'll, they'll kind of package it as Christianity. They may use the Bible, but it's really to get them to follow their agenda. It's not Christ's agenda. It's not about making disciples of all nations. It's making disciples for me. You follow me and do what I say to do. And you'll see cults doing this. Um, and then uh, one of the more popular ones that millions follow, it's a, it's a worldwide religion, Book of Mormon, uh, Mormonism. And so uh, when I go to a hotel, one of the first things I do is I rip this out of the hotel room, put it in my bag, bring it home. <laughs> I don't want anybody else reading this. So I take them. I got a whole stack of them. If you want to read it and see what, what's in there, I, I'll, let you, I'll let you have one. I, I t- what? I have, I have a lot. Um, but I just take them because that's that's, this is false. This is not true. A man named Joseph Smith, about 200 years ago, um, had this revelation from God. And these gold, that, that, that this Bible, this book... Was, uh, was wrong, that it had, been, um, um, uh, it, it had been translated with errors, and, and, and you couldn't trust it. And so Joseph Smith had this re- revelation from God that there's these golden tablets and that it would restore what God had originally said to the disciples. And so you have this Book of Mormon. Ironically enough, though, the golden tablets somehow just vanished. So no, we don't have any evidence of what was really there, just what Joseph Smith said, one man. And so... Um, and it's been, you know, over 200 years. Um, and there's a lot of people following um, uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And uh, this is what a false teacher does. They turn people away from the faith, and they draw them to them. And uh, I don't want you to follow me. Uh, and, and you guys know me well enough. Why, why would you? <laughs> um, and so... One of the ways that you identify a false teacher is uh, do they turn people away from the faith and have them follow them? This is going on in a lot of churches during this time, just like today. Look at this, Philippians 3. Um, This is to another church. Paul says this in Philippians 3, verse 18. For many of whom I've often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. What was Kenneth Copeland and this Jesse guy talking about? A, a jet. That is an earthly thing that they had their minds set upon. Um, and so, but Paul is saying here, there are, there are 
There are many that followed Christ and now they walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. And they've got their minds set on things of this earth, not on things above. So number one, uh, these false teachers, they lead people away from the faith. Number two, they are devoted to Satan. Now this may sound crazy, but look, look back at verse one. So now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and to teachings of demons. Now, um, when it says later times, uh, this, it, they really believe they were living in the last days, just as many of us believe we're living in the last days. And so there's always been these uh, false teachers. Um, and here it says that they, they, uh, they're devoted uh, they have devoted themselves to deceitful spirits and the teachings of, of uh, demons. Uh, Paul warned the church in Corinth, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, this. He says this in uh, verse 13. For such men are false apostles, uh, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder... For even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. And so here's this picture of there are these apostles that look like apostles, but he calls them false, uh, false apostles. And that notice this, he says, um, he brings up uh, Satan that Satan disguises himself as this angel of light to deceive us. It's all about deception. And so they're dece uh, Satan's deceiving people. But then look, it says, for it is no surprise if his servants, who are, who's the his, who's the pronoun referring to? Satan. That Satan has his servants, these false apostles, uh, and they really are working for him. They're, they're, it's, it's, it's not about Christ's agenda. It's about an agenda that Satan would have. Here's, here's the same interview uh, from that video. Here's another segment from the exact same interview. Let's play this. For Oral Roberts. Now, Oral used to fly airlines. Right. But it, even back mm -hmm. there then, man, mm -hmm. it, it got to the place where it was agitating his spirit, sure. people coming up to him. He right. had become famous, and they wanted him to pray for him and right. all that. You, you can't. You, you can't manage that today. Right. The, this dope-filled world. Right. And get in, an air, get in a long tube with a bunch of demons. Right. That's exactly the And it, it's deadly. And, and it works on your heart. It really does. So I, anyway, I, I wanted to make that clear so the devil can't lie to you and say, see there, them preachers spending yeah. all that money, this, this fat cat's right. So he, he's saying that I'm, I'm one of the demons. That's because that's, that's, you know, at the end he said, make sure you... When they say all those preachers making up money, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those preachers making fun of him. Uh, I just shake my head at that. It's ridiculous that he's saying, I mean, did you hear the, the, the motivation behind it? We need this jet so that we can focus on our sermons in this jet. Because if we go on a regular airline, we may actually have to pray for somebody. Uh, it's ridiculous that... that I might be too busy praying for people. Man, I would love for people to come up and say, hey, will you pray for me? And, then, and, and these guys are going, well, it's, that's just, uh, that messes with my spirit. And then I got to get in this big tube of demons. Uh, 
You, you mean lost people uh, that, that Christ would want you to be around? You, you see, that's a false apostle, a false prophet, false teacher who, who would want you to do a different mission than what Christ is wanting you to do. Satan would want you to not be around lost people in a plane where they might ask you to pray for them, right? That's what Satan, exactly what, that's exactly what he would want you to do, to isolate yourself, to be away from people who might be different than you, to might get you dirty. And, and yet he's going, ah, I need this, you know, I need this jet. And it's just, it's just I laugh and I cry at the same, in, in the same moment watching this. It's, it's just crazy. And there's a number of these guys. This is just one um, that I'm showing you this morning. I could, I could take up the whole morning just showing you false teachers. A lot of them on TBN. Uh, not everybody. And I'll just go and say, I, I think Charles Stanley is still on TBN. I think Charles Stanley's a solid teacher. Somehow he's on TBN. I don't know how he is, but uh, he's there. Um, and so they have their own agenda, and they want to uh, take you away from Christ's agenda about making disciples of all nations. And uh, it's really about um, Satan's agenda. So, number one, a false teacher leads people away from the faith. Number two, uh, they are devoted to Satan, not to Christ. Number three. They preach one thing, yet live another. Look at verse 2. Verse 2 says, Through insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. And so here are these guys. They preach one thing, um, but they live another. They don't practice what they preach. That they are um, hypocrites. And, and in such a way that they keep preaching it, that they're, now their conscience are seared. Um, one commentary says this, he says, Whenever we affirm with our lips something that we deny with our lives, whether people know or not, we deaden our consciences just a little more. Let me say that again. Whenever we affirm with our lips something that we deny with our lives, we deaden our consciences just a little more. And so that's what's going on is, is they, they, they know that that this doesn't match up with their lives. So they begin to preach what matches up with their lives, and then they begin to believe it. I, I, really, I, don't, think, I don't think those guys are lying. Um, I think they're being honest. They really believe it, but it's because their conscience are seared. That they've said this so many times that it, it, they just begin to believe it, and they don't feel guilty at all about taking advantage of people of God. And it's corrupt, and that's what's going on in this church through insincerity of liars whose conscience are seared. And so um, they're basically, uh, it's this whole idea, it's a lot of what we're talking about on Wednesday nights, it's what I just shared at Camp Cowan. What you believe is what you end up doing. Right living or right thinking leads to right living. And so their lives, they begin, they, they, they see that it's different than Scripture, so they begin to, to sear their minds, their conscience, so they can live however they want. And they have no guilt. Um, so that's what's, that's what's going on in this church. Uh, so that's the third, number four. And this is so huge. They deny God's word. Verses three through five. Look at this. Who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created 
to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything God, for everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made by is for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. So a false teacher will deny God's word. And here that's what's going on. If if I would ever stand up and say um, that uh, that marriage is wrong, you should not be married, um, and certain foods are wrong, uh, that's me denying God's word. Uh, Jesus himself in Matthew 19 affirms marriage. Look at this in Matthew 19. The Pharisees come to, to, to trick Jesus. And the Pharisees, in uh, verse 3 says, Pharisees came up to, to him, him being Jesus, and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And he said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Uh, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Uh, what therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Where, what is, when Jesus, you see that he's quoting something, see those quote, quotations? What is he quoting? Where is it from? From Genesis, from back from creation. You remember after each day? What was God saying after each day? It is good. It is good. And so here, Jesus is referring back to the creation order, saying it is good that the two should come together, become one. Um, what God has joined together, let not man separate. And so Jesus is affirming marriage here, that marriage is a good thing. Uh, and then you keep going, but, but he doesn't say, at the same time, Jesus doesn't say, uh, for those of you who want to be single, shame on you. He doesn't say that. Look at this. Let's keep going. And the Pharisees, uh, um, oh, that's still the same verse. Let's keep going. Uh, let's see. Where did that leave off? Uh, verse 7. And they said to him, why then did Moses command one to give a, a, give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? He said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your, divorce your, divorce your, wives, your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual morality and marries another commits adultery. The disciples said to him, if such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. But he said to them, not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been uh, made eunuchs by men. There are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this, receive it. And so here Jesus is saying, hey, for those who want to be married, praise God. That's, that's great that you desire marriage. Marriage is a good thing. For those of you who want to remain single, praise God. That's a good thing. I mean, Jesus himself was single. We talked last week. Paul was single. Um, and so if I would ever say you guys are wrong to get married or you guys are uh, uh, wrong to desire singleness. Like, that, those are both wrong. I'm denying God's word. And here, that's what these teachers in Ephesus were doing. They were, they were forbidding marriage. They were, they were um, elevating singleness. That it, was, it was better to remain single. And that's not, that's not biblical. They also um, isolate foods. They say that there's some foods that you should, that you should abstain from. Uh, and that, now, 
let's be honest, there are foods that are better for our bodies than others. But we have freedom in Christ to eat those foods. Like, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll like, I like a good Coke. I know it's got garbage in it. Um, Mountain Dew. And I'll just, I, I just recently um, uh, remembered that uh, Code Red is really good. Um, <laughs> it is awful for you. Um, but I have the freedom in Christ to drink a Code Red Mountain Dew. Um, my wife doesn't like when I drink a Code Red Mountain Dew. But I can't stand up here and say, God said for you not to drink Code Red Mountain Dew. I, I just can't, I can't do that on God's word. I can say it's not wise, you should pray about it, but I cannot, I cannot just with a black and white statement just say you cannot do it by God's word. It's not biblical. I'm denying God's word, I'm denying the freedom um, in, in, in Christ with this, and that's what's going on. Uh, in Acts chapter 10, uh, we, we see an incredible passage. Says it, and uh, this is Paul, and he, he became hungry, or, or Peter, sorry, and Peter became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a, a trance and saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. Now, to a Jew, the, some of those things are, are what's called unclean, uh, and they, they, were, they, they wouldn't eat it. Um, and verse 13, and there came a voice to him, and this is, this is God speaking, saying, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. So it's this idea that, that if God... And he created, and it was good, and he created, and it was good, and he created, and it was good. Here's this picture that God created. It was good, and that's what he's talking about here, that, that Christ, that the, all the don't eat in the Old Testament, Christ was a fulfillment of that. That um, he, he was a reminder that he is the pure one. Um, and so don't call something um, that God has made clean, don't call it, uh, common. Uh, so a false teacher will deny God's word just blatantly, and they will add things to this book. They'll take things from this book. John gives us a, uh, a warning in Revelation 22 about this. Look at this. Um, Revelation 22. I warn everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of, the, of the, the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and the holy city, which are described in this book. I come to this passage as a teacher with fear and trembling. Every week I stand up here, or most weeks I stand up here, and, and, and just think, if I add something to this book, God's going to add to me the plagues that are found in this book. There's a lot of bad plagues in this book. And if I take away God's words, God's going to take away my place in this holy city. I, that's why I get nervous every week coming up here. Um, I, I, at Camp Cowan, there's a, um, this guy, he played fo football at Marshall. He's a counselor. And he said, man, like, um, he said, do you get, like, I remember even, 
I played football, you know, all these years. And before each game, I'd get nervous. He said, do you, you kind of get like that before, before you get up to talk? I'm like, absolutely. I had like this nervousness of like, it's a good nervousness that I, I just, I don't want to do that. James 3 reminds us that teachers will be judged, judged with greater strictness. Because teachers have such a way of influence. And, and, and oftentimes, like, I, I, sometimes I think I don't even like having scripture on these screens. I, I could type anything back there. And, and maybe you don't even know if I'm ty- You don't even know if that's in there right now, maybe. Unless you look down into one of these, how, how do you know that's really in there? If this is your Bible that you bring every week, how do you know I'm not twisting it for my agenda? So what I love uh, is when I'm reading and, and I, and I kind of glance up and I see people looking down. I, I love that. I love that, that, that this this carries more authority than, than, than this. But I pray that my words are, are coming out of here. Because there's such weight for us as teachers. We have uh, influential power. And that scares me to death. I don't want to lead you astray. I want to lead you to Christ. I want to lead you to Him. He is your good shepherd. I'm just the under shepherd pointing you to Him, I hope. And so we as a church, we have to understand these four, four ways. Let's look at these again. How to identify a false teacher. Number one, they lead people away from the gospel. They are devoted to Satan. They don't practice what they preach. They deny God's words. I pray that you understand those, that you take notice of those, that, that you come back to this passage, that we never have false teachers in this church. But it's our job to shepherd this flock, to make sure they don't sneak in like fierce wolves looking to devour. So that's why you guys, you guys have to get in your word, right? You have to, if you're going to know if I'm preaching the word, you, you need to be in your word. That you have to know God's word so that you can back it up. So when I'm teaching it, you can come up to me later and say, now you don't go later on Facebook. You come later to me and say, you know what you said this morning? I'm not really sure that was in the Bible. And we can have a conversation about it. Where I came, you know, where, where I landed on that. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I need to come up the next week and apologize for some kind of false teaching. Hopefully I'll be humble enough to do that. Uh, I know I don't have perfect theology. I don't, I don't think any of us do. We're all still learning. Um, but I want to make sure that when I... When I'm not sure on something, that I don't, you know, I'm not uh, making an absolute statement. I say, hey, guys, I don't know what this means. I'm not sure. Could mean this, could mean this. I'm not sure. Um, But it's so important that we understand this. Next week, we're going to look at what Paul told Timothy to do so that he would be ready for these false teachers. That, That he gives them some incredible encouragement on how to grow up, how to be ready uh, to watch for these false teachers. And so next week will be kind of the application of, of, of this section. Let's pray. Father, this morning I thank you for, uh, for this passage. I thank you for the warning that there are going to be false teachers that are going to try to sneak into this congregation looking to devour your people.
looking to lead people away uh, from you to follow uh, Satan, to follow their own agendas and not yours. Lord, I pray that we would stay focused here at this church, that we would always be after your mission of making disciples of all nations. That I'm not, I'm not using the pulpit for my own leverage to get uh, a, a jet or a bigger house or fancy whatever, Lord. That these are your people. These are your sheep, and I don't take advantage of your sheep. So I pray, that, I pray for our elders. I pray that you'd guard us from the evil one, from trying to use your flock to our advantage. Guard our hearts, Lord. I pray that you would put a desire in our people to be in your word, to know what it says so that so they can be... Uh, uh, on the lookout to be alert for these false teachers who are coming. And they come in every generation. So Lord, help us. Help us to be watch. Uh, to watchful of, uh, of what's going on around us. Give us wisdom and discernment, Lord. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.